Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to just read verse 12 this morning, looking at the fifth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is, as I mentioned, the fifth command. Uh, it's interesting to note uh, that this is often referred to now as the second table of the law. And the reason that is is because the first four commandments really have to do with our relationship to the Lord. Uh, they are obligations directly to Him. And now these focus, although they certainly are a, a matter of obedience to the Lord, uh, they focus on our relationship to other human beings. And it starts here uh, with really what is the most foundational relationship uh, among human beings, and that is the relationship of parents to their children and vice versa. You know, as we enter into this commandment, I just want to start this morning by saying this commandment is probably more significant than you might perhaps realize. If you stop and think about it and, and just sort of ask this question to begin, where does authority come from on a human level? Of course, we understand as creatures, we're created by God. He has authority over us. But in terms of humanity, why, why are there structures of authority? Where does that authority come? come from. And, and I think the reason I want to start here this morning is because uh, authority in our time has really uh, fallen on hard times. We, we live in a time when human authority is either outright rejected or is looked upon with suspicion. It's almost assumed that if a person is in a place of authority that they're sinister or, or evil. People in authority are not to be trusted. There are various historical reasons for that. Of course, we know that there's been a great deal of oppression and abuse throughout history, uh, and much of that's being exposed in our time. And I think part of what has occurred with that is that people's trust in authority has eroded. People just don't simply, simply do not trust uh, people in, in authority. There was a time w in which people honored and respected authority sort of naturally almost, uh, and now I think it's almost the exact opposite. And much of that has to do with the abuses and the excesses of, of authority. There's also the rejection of God and the rejection of His authority. And, and uh, as I mentioned, first of all, foundational to all other authority is the authority that God has over humanity. And so if we reject the idea of God being our Creator to whom we owe honor and, and obedience, well, well, then it's only a short walk to reject all kinds of other authority. What's unfortunate, I think, is that even many believers sort of have adopted this mentality, uh, the, the world's view of authority. There, there seems to be a push among even professing believers to minimize or dismiss our obligation to obey God-ordained authority. We see this in areas like the attitude of many Christians to, to governmental authorities or even sort of uh, I think Jared mentioned it in his prayer this morning, sort of the dismissing of any kind of structures of authority within the home or, or within society. But listen, we should be different. We as Christians are, are not to take our cues from the world. The world has a mindset. The world has a philosophy. But Romans 12, 1 says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are to think differently. Our thoughts 
should be shaped and molded by the word of God. And though there, yes, there have been authority abuses even within the church, and sometimes just as much it seems like as, as in the world, but we do not have the luxury as God's people to respond to such abuses of authority by rejecting human authority altogether. We don't have that luxury. That might be something that unbelievers can do, but, but we're bound by the word of God. We have a, a stronger reason really for obeying authority than whether or not we personally feel that it's always been appropriated in the, the right manner. This command, and this is what I'm driving at here, this command provides the foundation upon which all legitimate structures of authority among huma humanity are premised. This is the, the foundational building block and building structures of authority within humanity. On a human level, all authority starts in the home. On a human level, all authority starts in the home. A society that rejects this fifth commandment is a society that really is headed toward utter and complete lawlessness. Christian parents who do not enforce this command will not likely pass down their faith to their children. If you don't demand that they honor you, they aren't, li aren't likely to honor the Lord. All parents, believers or not, will find it difficult to, to guide their children in a good direction in life if they haven't first instilled this respect for authority. School teachers will not be able to, to, teach, to teach successfully students who have not learned to honor authority. Employers will have a hard time finding competent employees who will actually follow orders and do their job. The work of policemen and law enforcement will multiply as the force of law will be required much more frequently for people who haven't learned to simply comply with a rule. Even the rule of law itself will begin to crumble. A society that does not honor its parents will not honor its governors or senators or presidents. And, and at a certain point, the ubiquitous rejection of the fifth commandment leads potentially to great civil unrest and even anarchy. This is a big deal. And oh, by the way, did I mention that I'm describing the society that we live in right now? On a human level, all authority starts in the home. It is there where the principle of honoring, respecting, and submitting to, and obeying God-ordained authority is either learned or is not learned. And the impacts are huge, huge. I wanted to start there this morning because I think we have a temptation of reading this fifth commandment and thinking about little children, you know, six years old, seven years old, eight years old, and thinking, oh yes, this is a good commandment. They need to listen to mommy and daddy, but it doesn't seem that big to us. It doesn't seem like a big deal. It doesn't seem uh, like it really is that important. What's, what's the big deal of, uh, about this? Well, the big deal is that this commandment and this uh uh, principle is the foundation for all human authority and it is ultimately one of the means that God uses to teach us to honor him God who is the father so this is this is huge uh, our society depends upon people who respect authority and and our relationship with the Lord has to be 
really begin with a fear of the Lord. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and that fear comes when we, when we learn to honor and respect our parents. And then we learn to honor and respect the Lord and to have a fear of Him. So this is maybe a bigger deal than, than you realize. What is really required in this uh, commandment? Verse number 12, honor your father and your mother. It might be interesting to you to know that that word honor is really the word that is often trans translated glory or to, to glorify. So you could see this word really translated all over, but I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Leviticus 10.3 says, Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said among those who are near me. I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. Same word that is used here when it says that children are to honor their parents. Isaiah 24, 15, another example. Therefore, in the east, give glory to the Lord. In the, in the coastlands of the sea, give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. This is the same word, to give glory or to honor, to respect, to, to reverence the Lord. And now the Lord, who in these first two commandments has has commanded that he be the only one that is worshipped and, and glorified in that ultimate kind of sense. Now he bestows his honor and glory on parents and he says to children, you are to honor your parents. Literally, this word to glory, to glorify, means uh, that something is heavy or, or weighty. It means for some, someone or something to have such an importance or such a greatness that they elicit a response of reverence, of respect, and even of awe. We, we use the word weighty sometimes. You know, it was a really weighty moment. That funeral that we went to was, was such a weighty and such a heavy moment that there was a hushed silence, a reverent silence on everyone who was intended, in, in attendance. It was a weighty moment. That's, that's kind of the idea here. So what is commanded then is that children, young or old, this is not just given to, to seven or eight-year-olds, this is to you, if your parents are still living, anyone here, that you are to honor them. You should view your parents with a sense of greatness or a sense of importance, a, a place of preeminence, and, and with that you ought to then respect them and reverence them and honor them. Why, why would parents be given such honor? Well, as I've already mentioned, I think what's happened here is that God has endowed parents and, and by extension, I think, other authorities with a share of his glory. One person said this. He says, someone who, who must be honored is someone of weight. There's that idea, this weightiness, this greatness, this importance. It's someone of weight. He says that is true of also of parents. They are placed by God over their children and they share some of the glory or honor belonging to God. Now, as I've already mentioned, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That, that all glory and all honor and all power and all dominion in one sense belongs to God. It's interesting that in some places, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah, that he, he says, I'll not share my glory with another, I'll not, or I'll not give my glory to another. And we would recognize here that clor clearly God is not abdicating his position as the all-glorious supreme authority. 
Yet in the formation of families and societies, God has in a sense commissioned certain people to act in his stead, to be human instruments of his authority. And they share, because they have this position given to them by God, then they share in his greatness and his superiority, and they are to be honored because of this God-given position. What this means then is that the honor that we owe to our parents and other authorities is really the honor that belongs to God. And he has, for his good purposes, instructed us to give that honor to these instituted authorities, beginning with mothers and fathers. Calvin says this, he says, God has lifted them up, speaking about parents, God has lifted them up and assigned to them a portion of his honor. Thus, the submission paid to them must be, as it were, a step leading us to reverence for God, who is the sovereign father. So we're called then to honor our parents and, and in so honoring them to honor the Lord because the honor that is demanded by them, by the Lord, for them, uh, is ultimately really the glory and the honor that belongs to God. We might think of an illustration. It might help us think about this in, in large corporations, right? There's somebody at the top of that. There's someone who owns. There, there's someone who has ownership. There's someone who uh, possesses all of the authority. But in the management, in the stewardship of, of that company, often uh, they appoint very many people under them and they delegate that authority to those people under them. And, and so if, if there's someone at a lower level who's carrying out the directives of, of the CEO and, and doing what he's, what he's supposed to be doing, then to dishonor and disrespect them is really to dishonor and disrespect the ultimate authority, the one who owns all things. And so it is with the Lord. He doesn't give up his authority in any way, but he shares it with others. He shares it with mothers and fathers so that if you disrespect or, or dishonor them, it's as if you're disrespecting or dishonoring the Lord. One of the clear ways that we see this honor bestowed on parents is the fact that they share this this title, that God shares this title with us. Again, Calvin says this, for, for when he gives someone superiority, superiority, since it must be upheld, he bestows his name on it. It's God's authority, and because it's God's authority, he gives his title to go along with it. That is the title of Father. God is Father. And sometimes we get this backwards. Sometimes we, we think almost as if the biblical writers or God was, was thinking, I need to help them understand what I'm like. And so, oh, they, they've got fatherhood, so I'm going to call myself father, and, and then that will help them understand what, what I'm really like. In reality, listen, God is eternally the father. He is eternally. That's, that's who he is uh, in his essence, in, in his being. That's an eternal name of God. And, and when God created the world, he, he gave us, really, as human beings, uh, sort of an analogous uh, position as him. God as Father is the source of all life. 
in, in a human way, in a limited way, right? Uh, parents, we, we are the source of life for our children. And with that being the source of life, we're given a position of, of authority over them. And so because God created us after his image to, to sort of reflect who he is as the creator of all life, so he gives us this title, Father and, and Mother. What an important position then that we have. If you're a parent here this morning, you are in a position of honor. And it's a position of honor that God has given to you. And it's a position of honor that demands respect whether you demand it or not. It's been graciously granted to you by God. You've been given a portion of his authority, a, a portion of his supremacy. It is a position that demands respect, reverence, and honor, and that's true whether you recognize it or not. You have a weighty, glorious task. Kevin DeYoung says this, to be given the title mother or father is, is to, designated, to be designated with an office of great significance. If you're a parent here, a mother or a father, you have an office or position given to you by God that is of great significance. How do we honor our parents then? How do we honor our parents? Well, we're seeing here that we are to honor them. It's clear that that's what the text is talking about, but I want to give us several ways that I think we can tangibly, uh, sort of tangible expressions of the, the attitude of honor that we are to give to our parents. The, the first is clear. Jared read this, I believe, earlier, uh, that we're to obey our parents. For those of you, and I know... Um, I know that our relationship with our parent changes over time. And so I'm talking now to those who really are under uh, uh, the authority of their parents, children. Uh, if you're still living at home or you're still under the authority of your parents, this is, this is a word to you. Uh, Paul in Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I think Paul here is reiterating this command. He's drawing from this fifth commandment. Remember, we, we said that all the commandments except the Sabbath commandment are reiterated in the New Testament. Here would be one of those places where, where Paul is reiterating the fifth commandment in the New Testament. And when he does so, he, he, he kind of steps out from the, the literal command of honoring your parent and he gives us a, an application of that. Uh, that is that we are to obey them. They really go hand in hand. Uh, but children are called to obey their parents. And so again, let me just say, we know there's a time that comes when uh, the Lord says that uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. There's a leaving that, that kind of means that we no longer obey them in the strictest sense. But for children who are under the authority of their home, uh, of their parents, you are required to obey your parents and here Paul says, obey them in everything. We, th we would say there is a limitation to that if they require you to do something that God would not have you to do. Uh, so if they would want you to sin against God in any way, that would be a limitation. Uh, but, but obey them in everything. Children, listen to me this morning. If, if you're here this morning and you're under your, your parents' authority still, this is really the chief thing that God requires of you. You, your, your parents' authority over you has been given to them by God. That they represent God to you. God has given his title 
one of, one of his names to your parents. And he has shared that with them. He has shared his authority and, and his place of supremacy. He has shared that with them. And so this authority that your parents have over you is given to them by God. That's, that's a big deal. You don't listen to your parents just because they're bigger than you or, or anything like that. You, you listen to them because God has placed them in your life and has given them this authority. And this is really the primary expectation. It's really your life is, is, is not too complicated. As you get older, life will get harder. It will get much more complicated. Decisions will, will not be as clear and as easy as they are right now. But right now, it's, it's as simple as this. You are to do what your parents tell you to do unless they tell you to do something sinful. That, that's your life. That's God's expectation for you right now. And you may be getting older. You might be 13 or 14 or 15, and you're starting to think that you know better than your parents. But listen, especially at that moment, you are required to obey your parents in everything. How serious does God take this command? Well, in the Old Testament, we're not under the Old Testament. This, we're not under the, the Old Covenant with all of its regulations. We've seen that about the law. But in the Old Testament, a child who, in an ultimate kind of sense, tried to throw off his parents' authority was to be put to death. There was the death penalty for this. And that might seem severe, uh, but why would God give such a severe punishment? And I'm not saying, you know, a child was disrespectful once or didn't obey once, but I'm talking about a child that just, you know, I'm not going to listen to my parents. I'm throwing off. I'm going my own way. Why, was, why would God give that? Well, because parents, again, were God's authority in their life. They were supposed to teach their children to know the Lord and to follow his commands. And if, a children, if, a, if children completely rejected their parents' authority, then they had rejected God's authority. And listen, we're not under the old covenant, so that command is, is no longer there. Uh, that was part of what was given to the old covenant people. But listen, the reality still stands that the wages of sin is death. Just, just because there is no uh, temporary discipline right now or temporary judgment that's so severe. Listen, children, if you disobey your parents and you throw off their authority and you rebel against them, that's a sin against God. And, and God may not judge it in this life, but he is going to judge that sin. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that the wages of sin is death. Your, your rejection of your parents' authority, your disobedience will ultimately bring the judgment of death upon you. If you have been rebellious to your parents, you need to be forgiven by God. And God's made a way for that to happen. God sent his son Jesus to live on this earth. And guess what? Jesus, as a child, always perfectly obeyed his parents but then God sent his son Jesus to the cross to die for you because, they, because God knew that you would not always obey your parents. If you will trust in Jesus this morning, children, if you will trust in Jesus, he will save you, God will save you, and he will forgive you of your sins that are worthy of judgment. And here's the other thing. When you believe in Christ, he changes your heart. He makes you different and he helps you 
want to obey your parents. If you are someone who's a child and you said, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, one of the things that should be different about you now is that you want to obey your parents. You're still not going to do it perfectly, but, but you should have a genuine desire to honor and obey your parents. Now, let me say here, parents, to you, because with each of these obligations in terms of honoring our parents, uh, there's sort of an implied obligation to the parents so often. And there is an obligation here. Listen, you have an obligation to be an authority. If God commands them to obey, then you have an obligation to be giving them directives, to be instructing them, not, not just letting them off on their own. You, parents, are God's authority. You are God's representative to your children. You are there to train them and teach them to honor you, to honor other authorities, and to honor God. You must require obedience of your children to you, to other authorities, and to God. You don't have the right to be lax in that obligation. You you don't have the right to just say, you know, I'm taking a different approach to parenting. No, God has commanded your children to honor you and to obey you, and you therefore have to demand that of them. For you not to demand that they honor and obey you is for you to disobey God. God has not appointed you to be their friend. We we know you love them. Yes, you want to have an open relationship with them. Absolutely. Uh, You want to be close to them. Absolutely. But you also need to represent God's authority to them. God has not given you the leeway to be passive. You know, they'll just turn out okay. No, they won't just turn out okay. They, They will not instinctively learn to honor and submit to God-ordained authority and to God himself if you don't teach them that, right? That's something that God has given you as stewards an obligation to do. And I think sometimes when people say, well, I think they'll turn out okay, I think they they just mean, well, I don't think they'll end up in prison and and I think they they may be okay in in general. Uh, but, But listen, I think, shouldn't we aim a little bit higher than that? Like just not ending up in prison? I think we want our children to come to know the Lord, to fear the Lord, to honor and submit to Him, to be good members and productive members of society. And and in that fuller sense, that will not happen apart from parents who, who are instructing them and who are demanding that they honor God and honor authority. We need to move on, and we won't spend so long with each one of these. But secondly, Uh, this command to honor parents, I think a practical application of this is that we maintain an attitude of respect toward your parents. The Bible says that we are to give honor to whom honor is due, respect to whom respect is due. And this is an obligation that doesn't go away, even as adults. This doesn't go away. Just because you no longer are required to obey every command of your parents, it does not mean that, that you can then be disrespectful to them. And, and for many of us, this is a challenge, right? Starting in your teenage years, uh, it, it seems that there's a great temptation to be disrespectful toward your parents. One of the clear reasons for that is, is that you begin to learn about life and you begin to grow up and mature. And guess what? Your parents aren't perfect. And so you begin to see their flaws and their faults and their failures. And, and it's easy to be so critical of them. And it's easy to begin to just look at them through that lens all the time. But because you know that about them, you know those things about them. 
So it's very easy to start a pattern of thinking and speaking about your parents in ways that are very unkind, in ways that lack grace, in ways that are harsh and judgmental. Listen, we all can look at our parents and see some of their failures, but but we are still called to respect them. Sometimes it's like we've we've put glasses on as as children, and we know their faults and their failures, but, but then we've put those on uh, in these lenses, and that's all that we can see about them. And so when we're thinking about our parents, we're, we're impatient and we're harsh with them because we're just always looking at those faults and failures. But if we are to respect them, uh, I, I think we need to bear with their faults. We need to overlook. We need to demonstrate grace. We need to, to, to be kind to them. And we need to continue to see them, even as adults, as God's appointed authorities in our life in that way and, and give them respect. And again, here, parents, there's, there's an obligation on your part, isn't there? If, if children are called to respect parents, listen, parents, you are, are called to act respectably, right? I mean, sometimes parents can make life on their children really, really hard, e- even as adults, just by, just by their immature behavior, just by acting in ways that really are, are not respectable. If God commands your children to respect you, then you have an obligation to be respectable. Adult, especially if you have adult children, you still have an obligation to to be mature, to to demonstrate uh, maturity to them. Third, this command to honor our parents means that we are to heed the instruction of your parents. You are to heed the instructions of, of your parents. And here I'm separating this out a, a bit from uh, this command to obey your parents. Uh, obedience, in my mind, is, is thinking like a cr- clear directive, like go get your shoes on and go, go get in the car or something like that. It's a clear directive. Uh, we, we grow up from that. We mature beyond that. Uh, and, and yet uh, this, this guidance or this instruction that, that parents give, uh, I think, is often much more broad than that it's passing down wisdom and i think we even as adult children if our parents have instructed us well in in our upbringing and they've given us wisdom that they've handed down to us i think we still have an obligation to heed that instruction if you've had good parents who have provided wise instruction to you, then you have an obligation, even as an adult who's no longer directly under their authority, to continue to honor them by heeding that instruction. Proverbs 1, verse 8 says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. I think sometimes there's a mentality like once I... Once I hit 18, I can just throw everything off. I don't need to listen to my parents at all. And there's a sense in which there is an adulthood that is reached and obedience is no longer required. But if they gave you wise instruction, if if your father taught you as a child to work diligently, then you need to continue to heed that instruction even as an adult. You need to honor him in that. If your mother taught you to treat all people kindly and fairly, then you, even as an adult, honor your mother throughout your life by by heeding that instruction, by taking that wisdom to heart. You know, I've seen 40-year-old and 50-year-old men who who throughout their life have kind of restrained their behavior 
but because dad's been around and, and because there's this sense of like, I don't want to dishonor him. But then at a certain point, whether the parent dies or whether they just finally say, I'm just done with that, that they go off and begin to act foolishly and they make a wreck of their life because they're not, no longer heeding their father's instructions. We are to heed the, the instructions, the wise instructions of our parents. Fourthly, we are to show gratitude to our parents. In Romans chapter 1, it says that one of the great sins of humanity is that although God created us and gave us life, we neither honored Him nor gave thanks to Him. That's one of the common sins of humanity. And Romans chapter 1 actually locates it as one of the foundational sins of humanity. What, What an affront how preposterous it it is that God has created us, that God has given us life, and we say, thank you very much, I'll take this life, and you just stay over here, and I'm going to go my own way. And we don't live lives of gratitude for the fact that God is the one who has given us this life. Well, I think the same principle is true in in a limited kind of human sense when it comes to our parents. Proverbs uh, 22 says that we are to listen to your father who gave you life. Your parents, the, the reason that you are here this morning, your parents may have not done too many other things right, but the reason that you are here, the reason that you are alive today is because they gave you life. Calvin quoted when he was speaking about the death penalty for, for those who threw off their parents' authority. He said this, he said, speaking, uh, or rather this, he said, since they do not acknowledge those by whom they came into this life, they surely do not deserve to live. Do you see his reasoning there? They they don't honor, they don't acknowledge the one who has given them life. If you don't acknowledge or give honor or have gratitude in your heart for the one who has given you life, in, in one sense, you don't deserve that life. Whatever imperfections your parents have, even even adults, whatever failures or faults, they are the source of your life and you ought to have gratitude in your heart for them. You ought to be like the children of the, the wise woman in Proverbs 31, verse 28. It says that her children rise up and call her blessed. There's, there's gratitude. And listen, I know that there are situations that are complicated. I know that there are difficulties. I know that there are sometimes abuses and, and, and sometimes that makes that challenging. But I think this uh, idea of gratitude is important for us. Just practical ways that, that we express gratitude to our parents, just by continuing to call them, to care about them, to, to, to talk to them, to meet their needs. I really believe that this command in, in one sense kind of, kind of puts the onus on us as children. So if your parents are still alive, you know, sometimes it, my, my mom will call and say, you know, you haven't called forever. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you have a phone too, right? So, or, you know, you all should come up and visit. And I'm like, you know, I-71 between Northern Kentucky and Louisville, it runs, it runs north and south. You all could come down here and visit, Right. Uh, but, but as I'm studying about this, and I know in times past, the Lord has convicted me that that's not the right attitude. I, I have an obligation to honor my parents and to show gratitude to them. And so, so the onus of the responsibility in one way is really on me to, to express that gratitude to them. 
by, by caring for their needs, by, by checking on them, and so forth. And that leads us to the fifth thing, uh, the fifth sort of tangible way that I think that we can honor our parents, and that is by caring for aging and sick parents. Proverbs 23, says, Do not despise your mother when she is old. And Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 5, it says this, he's writing to the church and he says, he says, honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. And he goes on to say in verse number eight, but if anyone does not provide for his own relatives and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so the, the call here is if there's widows in the church, the, the church ought to care for them, especially if they're widows indeed. But if the family is still living, if, if there are children and, and grandchildren who are there to honor them by, by taking care of their needs, then the obligation in God's sight is on the children and the grandchildren. We have an obligation to care for our parents as they, as they get older. And sometimes that, that comes as a great weight and, and a great burden. But that's one of the ways that God requires us to honor them. We don't just get to say, uh, you know, somebody else is going to take care of you. That's it. I'm washing my hands of this. I'm, I'm walking away and, and I have no responsibility here. One of the things that we see as, as our society is increasingly rejecting the fifth commandment is just the increasing acceptability of the idea of, of euthanasia, Right? Uh, well, there's, there's no longer any sort of uh, good life that can be lived. There's some kind of health problem, and, and uh, there's just such a burden. Well, what an affront to this command. As God's people, we should not be thinking that way. We are to honor our parents as long as God sustains their life, and it is God who decides uh, when, when a person lives and when a person dies. He's the giver of life, and as long as God chooses to allow our parents to live, we ought to honor them by seeing to it that their needs are met and by caring for them. Well, I think this command extends out beyond just our parents. I've already mentioned that in the introduction. So I want to spend just a couple minutes here by talking about sort of how far this command extends. This is what the Westminster Confession says uh, in terms of this. It says, uh, Father and Mother in the Fifth Commandment, mean not only natural parents, but all of those set over us in age and gifts, and especially those by God's arrangement are over us in a place of authority, whether in a family, a church, or a nation. So what they're suggesting here is that this command, uh, in this command, God is ordaining authority uh, that, that is even broader than just uh, the, the authority of our parents. It's a, an authority that then is spread out to other authorities in society. It spreads out to a, a, an honor for all of those who are older than us. It, it spreads out even to an honoring and a submission to governing authorities. So let me just hit on a few of these really quickly here. One is, is elders, and I don't mean elders in a church like the office of pastor in a church. I'm just talking about those who are older than us. Paul says in 1 Timothy 5, verse 1, he says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, older women as mothers. Listen, 
again, one of the things that we're seeing in our society is just looking at older people as insignificant, as, as unimportant. You know, if we can get rid of them, let's get rid of them. They don't have anything important or valuable to add to us. They, they don't really, there's not really a lot of respect that needs to be given to them. Uh, let, let's just move on and, and do what we have to do. Part of this is, is sort of a worldview that is prevalent right now, which is seeing the world and history as progressing. So your, you know, your grandparents or your great-grandparents, uh, they were just kind of morons, and we've progressed and we've evolved, and our ethics are better, our morality is better, we know more than them. Uh, and, and so uh, history is kind of on an upward trajectory. So what would parents or an older generation, what would they have to teach us? What, what would we need to hear from them? They're, they're, they're not in the future. Right now, what is valued is youth. What, what's coming up next? What's the ne next best idea? And, and so forth. And it, it comes from that progressive view of history. Needless to say, a culture that thinks that history of history in this kind of progressive way is not going to value, value elders. You, you've heard the expression here recently, okay, boomer, uh, you know, talking about baby boomers, right? That's just, uh, it's, it's funny, like, uh, we, we get that. Uh, it's, I'm, not, I'm not just, if you've said that, it's not some horrible thing, but, but I think it does point to this larger devaluing of past generations. You don't have anything to teach us. We are the future. We know what's best. So just get off the scene and, and when a baby boomer spe speaks up and says, you know, maybe we should, do, we should do it this way, this is, okay, boomer, let's just move on, right? Th this command would speak against that. We need to honor our, our elders. In, in fact, the Bible has a, an, an exact opposite view of that. Uh, often the, the Bible holds up those who are, are older as those who have wisdom. Gray hair is an honor, it's a glory uh, to, to be, even the Bible uses the term elders for pastors because there's this, there's this underlying assumption that someone who's older, someone who is mature, has wisdom to impart. And so this is one of the, the things that I think we need to learn from this. We need to respect people in, in older generations. We need to honor them. We need to hear from them. We need to listen to their wisdom. And then there is the government. In the Bible, sometimes kings are even called fathers. And, and that's why I think sometimes the uh, older theologians have, have made this connection. They, they see, again, this commandment to honor your father and mother as really foundational. It's a building block, and all other authorities kind of come, back, come down to that. But we are called to honor and submit to kings, to presidents, to, to authorities. We, we could see that in Romans chapter 13. There are other rightful authorities in, in society, right? There, there are supervisors, there are employers, and those are authorities, again, that, that we learn as we learn to submit to and, and obey our parents at home. Then we, we kind of grow up and we go out into other spheres and we see, oh, look, out in society there's this governing authority and I need to submit to them. And then I'm in the workplace and there are supervisors and there's employers that, that they have authority and I need to submit to them as well. So it branches out. It goes into the church. There are church leaders. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch for your souls. And so there's an extension of this command. But as I started this morning, if we get this foundational one wrong, 
If we don't teach children to honor and respect their parents, they're not going to respect governing authorities. They're not going to respect their elders. They're not going to respect church authorities. They're not going to respect teachers or anyone else in society. Finally, as I mentioned, and as that quote from Calvin said, that this is sort of a stairway leading us up to the Lord, leading us to, to learn to honor the Lord. We, we learn to obey our heavenly Father by learning first to obey our earthly father and mother. This is a big deal. Parents, this is a big deal that you would teach your children and train them to honor you. And children, this is an important thing that you would learn to honor your parents because in learning to honor and respect them, you're learning to honor and respect God. We look, as we close this morning, to the greatest example of this. We look to Jesus who came as the son of the father. And he came and listen to what he said. This is the way that he honored his father. He, he obeyed him perfectly. He said, I came not to seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is my father. I'm here to do the will of my father. I'm honoring my father. In another place, he, he says that he always does what is pleasing to his father. The greatest fulfillment of this commandment then this morning for all of us is, is that you would honor your heavenly Father by believing in Christ. John chapter 6, verse number 40 says this, for this is the will of the Father. This is the will of our heavenly Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. This is what we're called to do this morning, is to look to Christ. This is the way that we honor our Heavenly Father is by looking to the Son, by believing in Him and trusting in Him.